And today we get the best and the worst gospel because it is so wonderful to work for this and so hard to achieve. And there's such a line to walk between mercy and victimization. But I have a prayer from uh, another priest who, which I would like to share with you. And I think it sums up so much of these scriptures today. And she writes, God, you clearly called us to do good, love our enemies, bless those who harm us. And this feels wrong, like rolling over for evil, pain, oppression. But we also remember that the good you call us to do pulls down mountains. The deep accountability of real love breaks open our hard hearts. When we recall the sacredness of those who hurt and harm, we do not become what we despise. May the ways of your fierce love free us from the paths of hate and retribution. This we ask in all the names we call holy. Amen. I always remember when I read this gospel being in high school and um, somebody's cousin was mad because I didn't want to go out with him and, and she started a fight. And I defended myself and my dad came in his clerical collar to the meeting with the priest, uh, the principal, and the principal was like, well, once you turn the other cheek, you have to defend yourself. <laughs> I didn't really get away with it, but um, it's, that's sort of how we mo mostly feel, right? Well, we can forgive, but it's really hard to stay out of the, 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 the scrap of the struggle. It's hard what Jesus asked us to do. Recently, at a board meeting from my alma mater, the General Theological Seminary in New York City, the Bishop of Atlanta, the Right Reverend Robert Wright, said, he was talking on these scriptures, and we were thinking about Lent, and he said, when we're thinking about Lent, we have to remember that, that Lent is a time to accept our Savior's invitation to purge from ourselves the contempt that we have for one another. Joseph of Genesis, Joseph had the courage to draw near to his brothers. He knew they were siblings no matter what. So for those of you who might need a little recap of the story of Joseph and his brothers, Joseph had a bunch of brothers that were jealous of him and his close relationship with his father, and so they threw him into a pit. Then they sold him to some passers-by, sold, sold him into slavery, into Egypt, and took his coat and spread blood on it and told his father that he was dead. 
Now, even my brothers aren't as bad as that. <laughs> I love my brothers. Henry watches a lot. Hi, Henry. <laughs> so he was sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. And, and, and at first, not such a great time in Egypt. Lots of uh, very dramatic things happened, and he landed in prison, but then he interpreted some dreams, and, and, and the Pharaoh uh, appreciated what he predicted and took him at his word, and he became sort of the right-hand man in preparing for the famine that was to come. So when the famine did come, Joseph was in a position of power to those who came to Egypt looking for the stores of wheat that they had saved up in preparation for the famine. And some of those that came to Egypt looking for help were Joseph's brothers the very brothers who had sold him into slavery. And Joseph recognized them, but they did not recognize him. It had been 20 years. Sometimes I feel like that after two years of COVID. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> What's their name? But it had been 20 years. And his brothers, had forgotten his appearance, although he had not forgotten theirs. So that's where our scripture begins. Joseph reveals himself and he says, I am Joseph. And his brothers were scared to death because they thought he was not going to help them. And in fact, Joseph had been tempted to put them all in prison, and he had even planted a silver cup in one of his brother's sacks so that he could accuse them of stealing. So he was tempted, but he didn't follow through. Instead, he revealed himself. And he cried so loudly that people and all around could hear him. And he did his brothers, he forgave his brothers. And he invited his family to come live out the rest of the family with him. Forgiving your enemies, loving those who do you harm is foundational and it is hard. Personally, I've been working on two concepts from the recovery community which are, are, are Christian ethics but, but adapted to broaden the reach. The first thing that I have been struggling and working on is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance, which is not approval, but it's seeing reality for what it is, seeing reality for what it is, and accepting reality for what it is. And not turning your face away, 
and not making excuses and all of that. And the second thing, and I, I think this applies to our gospel and to Joseph, is let it begin with me. Let the change, let the awareness, let the right action begin with me. And even though I have worked on these two things all my life, I have to learn them again and again and again. Jesus knew the story of Joseph and his brothers. Jesus was well-versed in the scriptures. Jesus knew that people chose to hate and to act unjustly, chose power and domination. He knew that the sorrows and ills of this life can break people so that they do not act out of their best selves, but they react, and sometimes not so kindly. So the first, this knowledge of Christ that people choose to act unjustly, this is a choice given with the gift of humanity's free will. We have a choice of how to act. The second, this being broken by the sorrows and traumas of life, is the fragility of our human nature and mortality. And here it is, folks. Christ, God in Christ, loves us all anyway. Loved us enough to become us. Loved us enough to be among us. And that is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is not approval of hate and injustice and bitterness or toxicity and greed. It is seeing reality as it is and not as what we would like it to be. It is courageously seeking the truth, come what may, cost what it might. And I believe this is, this is a form of love, this radical acceptance. Like Joseph, whose jealous brothers threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery, he knew they were siblings no matter what. And love isn't some gushy, touchy feeling. Love isn't romance. Love is seeing the sacredness in the other human person, seeing the sacredness in life. Later, when he had a chance to take revenge, when Joseph had power over them to cause them harm, he stopped himself. And this is the choice we are asked to make by the gospel today.
Let me act with humanity in the face of my brother's inhumanity. Let me embody mercy to the merciless. Let forgiveness and gentleness begin with me. That doesn't mean that we're going to stop showing up with love for change, but it means that the generational violence ends with me, with Joseph, with Jesus. Viennese psychiatrist Viktor Frankl detailed his time as a prisoner in a concentration camp in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. And in it he wrote, we must never forget that we may also find meaning in life even when confronted with a hopeless situation, when facing a fate that cannot be changed. For what then matters is to bear witness to the uniquely human potential at its best, the human to potential to transform a personal tragedy, a human predicament to be transformed. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are called to change ourselves. It's hard to say that to Wante Wright's mother when her 20-year-old son is shot instead of tased. She said that the justice system has murdered her son all over again with a verdict last week. It's hard to say let's change ourselves to so many other mothers in Houston whose sons and daughters have fallen victim to, to gun violence from road rage or stray bullets. The sixth grader who went out to get a jacket from the car. The nine-year-old girl who was just riding with her family. But we are called to change ourselves as we look for a bit of the kingdom of God on earth. We are called to let it begin with me, to do what we can to stop the hate that we've received, the wrongs that have been done to us. Jesus calls us to usher in a new way of being, one that returns dehumanization with humanity, one that stops the cycle of violence by not returning hate for hate. And this is one of the hardest things to do, and this is why we know we need a savior. And because I know that I need to hear it more than once, I will end this sermon as I began with this prayer. God, you clearly called us to do good, to love our enemies, to bless those who harm us, 
And this often feels wrong, like rolling over for evil, pain, and oppression. But we also remember that the good you call us to do pulls down mountains. The deep accountability of love breaks open our hard hearts. When we recall the sacredness of those who hurt and harm, we do not become what we despise. May the ways of your fierce love free us from the paths of hate and retribution. This we ask in all the names that we call holy. Amen.